Zoe, just a quick little practical note, kind of tying the waffles and um, Syria and Turkey together, is youth group on Friday, we decided to um, give half of the funds today to the Vineyard Appeal for Turkey and Syria as well. Um, so that money, half of it will go towards Easter Camp and half of it will go towards that fund because just felt wrong to do a fundraiser and not to do something for it. Um, so yeah, kia ora, I'm Zoe, I'm the youth leader here, which is why I know that information. Um, <laughs> and I'm also a theology student and I have grown up in the church. And this is relevant, the growing up in the church, because that means I've grown up being told that reading my Bible is very important um, and that I should do it more, um, <laughs> basically. Um, and despite this being drilled into me probably since I was born, um, I'm still not that great at it, or I don't think I'm that great at it. And, um, sorry, I'm saying lots of ums. But anyway, so... I'm, I'm not that great at reading my Bible, even though I've been told that I should for years. I feel like I could definitely be better, and I'm probably not the only person in this boat, because sometimes reading my Bible, well, I'm a theology student, so I get to the end of my day, and the last thing that I want to do is read my Bible, but sometimes it feels legalistic, or like a chore, or something like I'm ticking off the list to be a good Christian and to earn my gold star at the end, which isn't that great. But I, yeah, I'm not the only person like this, I'm sure of it. And sometimes I think really we just forget or never really knew why Bible reading was important, that we've been told this before maybe. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, so there you go, great way to start. Read your Bible, um, that's all. No. <laughs> um, so I thought that I would start with just going, like, why do we read our Bible? Because that's really the most important place. Because if we don't know why we're doing something, then it's going to feel um, not that fun, unless it's something that, like, we're doing just because it's fun. But before we get into why we read our Bible, I think we should be clear that we're all on the same page with what I mean when I say Bible. In the simplest terms, I mean this book, the... Um, but what is the Bible and what is it not? Because I think we have a lot of misconceptions about what the Bible is, which can make it more difficult when we open the Bible to read it and what we're like actually meant to get out of it and that sort of thing. So the Bible is not a guide on how to be a good person. Surprise. Um, it is the story of humanity, all of people, making lots and lots of mistakes. So if you're reading it on how to be a good person, um, be careful which part you read, because <laughs> it might just be making lots of mistakes again. Um, Bible is not a list of do's, a, do's and don'ts on anything, really. It is the story of God redeeming our mistakes. So it's not do this and don't do this and you'll be saved or whatever. It's God coming in and redeeming us despite all of the mistakes I've made. And the Bible is not a survival guide on life, as much as I wish it was sometimes, because it can be a bit hard out here. What it is, is the story of humanity's relationship with God. So it's the story 
of a relationship. It's not a list or a guide or anything like that. Because ultimately, the Bible is a story. It's not, you know, the course outline that you get or that sort of thing. It's not your brief for your new project of how to do life. It is a story that is being told. And it's a story that's being told in many different ways. It's a story that's told through metaphor, through song, through parables, through prose, through poetry, through letters, through prophecy, through history, through genealogies, through a whole bunch of different ways, some of which I'm probably forgetting. But it's ultimately told in all of these ways because it's revealing God to us and Jesus to us in it. So the Bible is God's revelation of himself to us so we can continue being in relationship with him. And this is all told through a big story, right? So that's what the Bible is. It's a story, and I believe it's a true story, but it's still a story, and that changes how we approach it. Or it should, hopefully. Um, So, and kind of how God reveals himself to us through this and all of that is can be a little bit complicated. And Jesus kind of talks about it in Luke 2. Oh, no, not Luke 2. Luke 24. Um, we'll start at 44. So right at the end, this is after he's been resurrected from the dead, and it's one of the last things he says to the disciples. Um, and I think it, in Luke it is literally the last thing he says to them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses to these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus really just starts by going like, okay, here's what the Bible's been saying the whole time. Like, you've just spent the last three years journeying with me. I'm the guy the Bible's about. And then there are kind of three things that I noticed. There's a lot more in this passage, but three things that I noticed that are particularly relevant. So first one is he tells us what the Bible is revealing. The Bible is revealing him. Everything written about me is in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So that's what he's telling us. This is what the Bible is about. He also says that basically we can ask him for help in understanding the scriptures. So he's just told us he's in all that part of the Bible, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to open Deuteronomy and be like, oh, okay, I see him. This obviously makes complete sense, and I'm not confused at all whatsoever. So he tells us he gave the disciples as a gift, the ability to understand scripture. So therefore, we can ask for that gift as well to understand scripture because it's something that is a living, breathing document. It's not just words on a page. And the other thing is that understanding the scriptures is a precursor to the Holy Spirit coming. 
So kind of the first ever revival, so like the first ever revival is at Pentecost. And it is from this, they have to understand the scriptures first before that revival came. Well, they didn't have to understand it completely, but they were in the word. They were reading the word and praying in that upper room and like doing community together. Those were the really important things that they were doing. So that's kind of the three things I think this is bringing out. So the Bible reveals God to us to build relationship with him. And he helps us in revealing that. So you kind of give and take of like you start reading the Bible, but you also ask God to pray and read your Bible at the same time. And hopefully um, one of them works out first to start building that relationship with God. But if it's all about this revelation, we're going to do a little imagination exercise about how he does that. So imagine that you've met someone fairly recently and you're going over to their house for the first time and you walk into their living room and you look around, what's something that you're likely to notice in everybody's house, in their like living room or kitchen? So you probably notice like, oh, they've got a TV, they've got a couch, they've got a fridge, maybe, you know, like that sort of thing. What's something that they do to make it personal in every single house? To show like, oh, this is my house or this is somebody else's. And it might be the taste of furniture or that sort of thing. But I think the thing for me that really makes it go, this is a home, is that people have photos up. They have pictures um, oh, sorry, of like photos. So it might be like at my parents' place, they have the photos rotating on the TV through Google Photos, which sometimes leads to some random pictures of the ceiling that Malachi has taken. Um, but you know, that's, there's something in that. Mum doesn't delete her Google Photos very often. Um, <laughs> or if you go to Anne and Chris's place on their piano, well, they've got lots of photos up of Matt at their house. But on their piano, there's a photo of Matt as a baby. Um, and so he's a very chubby little baby in a swing. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> if you don't know Matt, he's sitting at the back. He's not very chubby at all, which is why I find that funny. Um, <laughs> so there's this level of these are things that people put up around their house for themselves because they get reminded of stories, but also... When people come in, they're like, oh, these are things that are important to you and things that you have taken a photo of or remembered. And then, you know, you get to know someone more and they might show you photo albums. And these photo albums will probably be things put together of important moments of their lives. So, like, people often have photo albums of their kids or photo albums of their wedding or photo albums of big trips that they made that they really enjoyed. And so you have photo albums, and then you have home videos where people show videos that they took of their family doing life. And it might be a Christmas, or it might be somebody coming back from overseas. Um, you know, it could be all sorts, but there are videos, and they give you a different aspect because they give you the idea of how the person walked and talked before you knew them or at a time where you knew them but you might have forgotten because it was a while ago. And the whole point of this is to create a connection with people. That's why we take photos is for memories, but we share photos for connection, right? 
So it's showing people where we came from, our history, what's shaped us, what's important to us, what we find funny. It all reveals something about who we are when we share a photo with somebody. We literally have entire apps designed around this idea. That's why we have Instagram. That's why we have TikTok. And I believe that's why we have Facebook, but I don't really use it, so I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> but it's to simulate that connection of people sharing photos um, and sharing stories with us. But if you're just given a random photo and like, what are you going to do with it? You're going to probably be a bit confused and you'll be like, I have no idea who this photo is of. I have no idea what's going on here. Why is this important to me? And the reason is it's not important to you is you have no connection to it. And that connection is built through story. So the stories we are told as we go through photo albums with people, as we look around that house and ask, is the stories of that person's life. It's connecting us to them. And so in some ways, you could think of the Bible as a photo album for God. So the Bible is a photo album for God to us and also for us because we're kind of forgetful. So like technically this is humanity's history, but we don't really remember it that well. And um, unfortunately, back then when the Bible was being written, we didn't have pictures or videos, that sort of thing. So we don't have that part of it, but we have the stories, which is the most important part. That's what it's all about, is the story. And so the Bible is the story that captures the high moments like the feeding of the 5,000 and the low moments like the Babylonian exile. But it's a story that helps us get to know God, that creates relationship and helps us ultimately encounter who God is. Because that's what encounter is all about, is meeting a person or meeting God as they are right, as he is. And so this encounter is us encountering who God is, and we can become changed by that and made new by that and transformed by that, albeit slowly, because God doesn't do things on our time frame. He does them on his, so not always as quickly as we'd like. And this relationship changes and shapes us because it's a relationship with the creator of the universe. So it's going to have some impact because we're coming to not only through understanding God, understand him, but also understand the world around us, understand the people around us and how to interact with them. And that all happens, this revelation, all of that happens through the spirit. So... It says it came from have in the verse Mark 24, uh, 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So the one I read before. That idea is them understanding the scriptures, is them understanding the word. Jesus is the word. It's a whole different rabbit hole that I could go down there that I'm really trying not to because I don't have time. Um, but them understanding the scriptures, so therefore understanding Jesus more, led to the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, which is then transformed, which was then being transformed by the Word that allowed them to go out and transform the world. And 
the scriptures help them be ready for that, for the spirit, to guide and minister and lead. You all follow? Yeah. So basically, the scripture transformed them. So the spirit helped them understand the scripture. So they were transformed by the word, which helped them transform the world. And literally at Pentecost, which is that first outpouring of the Spirit, the first thing Jesus does, or not Jesus, he was up in heaven at that point, at Pentecost, the first thing Peter does is they've all gone out, they're all speaking in tongues and people are confused and saying that they're drunk and all that. First thing he does is get up and deny that they're drunk, um, but then reveal the scriptures to them. He basically, the second half of, or more than that, most of Acts chapter 2 is Peter basically going, this is what the scriptures are all about. It's all about Jesus. And this is how it's all about Jesus, right? And so that's the first thing he does to the crowd is unpack the scriptures to them. And he's only able to do this through the spirit and through spending that time in the word over the past 10 days prior. So, you know, I have this idea now that reading the Bible is really important. I was kind of going through this, and I'm like, okay, I know all of this. This is all in my brain. So why do I still struggle? Um, I still find it hard, even though the stuff is all in my head and in my heart. I sit down to pick up my Bible, and I just don't. And so... And often, actually, what happens is that I'll pick away and I'll be so, so sure that it is going to work. I'll be so confident that this is the way to read my Bible. And then it will last maybe two weeks, maybe a month if I'm really lucky. But it doesn't survive me having strep throat or going into lockdown or even just going away for a weekend. You know, like, I, so I was thinking about this and um, about why I feel this way. Um, and I kind of realized that um, this is just me reading for encounter, right, if that makes sense. So this is me reading specifically to encounter God in the text. It's like, that is my intention, is I need to understand God in Scripture. Um, you know, the idea of having your personal quiet time or Bible reading time. That's what I'm bad at. But when I think about my life realistically, as a whole, I realize that that is kind of not very true because um, I read my Bible a lot and have this idea of reading a Bible for transformation, so encounter, and information, which is what I do when I'm studying. And I am dividing it and discounting it in my brain as, you know, reading it for information doesn't count as reading my Bible, that sort of thing. Um, but, and I decided it doesn't count, but actually what I've really done is pick the most expensive Bible reading plan ever because I have to read the Bible for my essays, for my dissertation, for my courses. They'll be like, oh, this week you have to read all of Revelation and my other course will be like, this week you have to read all of Judges. And so I just have to because I'm spending this much money. It would be bad if I didn't. Um, <laughs> so basically... I've picked the most expensive reading plan ever. And it's not true or fair on myself to say, I don't read my Bible at all. And it's also not fair to other people um, who don't have that excuse if they have to read it for their courses. Um, 
And it's also not true or fair because God has shown so much grace in this. Um, because I have been transformed through reading my Bible, even if I'm not reading it explicitly with the intention of being transformed, because my faith has developed, because any time you read your Bible and actually read it, and I'm, you know, literally studying the Word, so it's keeping me connected and it's helping me get to know God more, which then deepens my faith. And it keeps me in love with the Bible, a um, little disclaimer, I wouldn't recommend studying theology if your only goal is Bible reading. It's very expensive and it's probably not worth it. That's the only reason. Um, and so instead, I've put together a list of things that have worked for me that are less expensive, as in you probably don't have to spend any money at all because most Bible resources are free, um, to read the Bible. Um, and... This is my list of less, expansions op less expensive options for Bible reading. It's not complete. I'm just going to stand aside and we'll go through them quickly. So one that I've done before. So these are ones that I have done multiple times. This is I've tried them more than once. And they've been good when I've done them. And then I went away for a weekend and I didn't keep doing it when I got back, for example. So uh, picking a word and a book. And each time that word comes up, I just underline it. So I have gone as interesting as like fire or Holy Spirit and as boring as the. <laughs> um, because you're engaging with it, it's keeping you on it. Um, things like word of the day or verse of the day, which I get on a Bible app. I would really recommend read, getting a Bible app because at least that way you get notifications. Um, and so verse of the day is really helpful because they send you a notification every day with the Bible verse. Um, Bible in a year plans I find really helpful, except I often start them late. So I'm not just like rereading Genesis over and over again. But it gives me the book. It gives me where to start. And I just have to do it. That's the part I struggle at, though. Um, summarizing the passage. So I'll pick a book. Again, a lot of these require just like picking a book. But you can do that by drawing it out of a hat. Um, and just reading that passage that I'm on for that day and summarizing it. So not trying to go like, what is this saying to me or that sort of thing. I think I'm out of frame. I'll come back this way a little bit. But summarizing the Bible passage, just going, what is this literally saying? But in my words, not translation of Hebrew or Greek words through this translator's decision. What is this saying? Um, devotionals and other Bible reading plans I find quite helpful. Um, I find audio Bibles and things like Lectio 365, which is another app um, that basically is like an audio devotional and Bible reading. Those are both really helpful because then I can put, I can download it and listen to it while I'm on the bus or something. So like it's already while I'm doing something. Uh, setting myself a time limit, like 15 minutes, and just like how much can I get through of Isaiah. Um, there's a game called Versal, um, <laughs> which is a good time. Um, basically, it gives you a Bible verse, and you have to try and figure out what the reference is. Um, you're still reading your Bible if you're doing that. Like, count anything, because you're trying to engage with the Word. Um, and starting somewhere is better than not starting at all. Um, you could probably double that one up with, like, summarizing the passage so you don't have to, like, go and, like, read where it is in context or something. 
Um, and then reading my Bible with others. So like setting up a plan where we're holding each other accountable for reading our Bible. So those are all ways that I have found. I've just kicked that over. It's all good. Um, <laughs> uh setting up ways where you're accountable, accountable with others or just like trying something new can be a really good way for me to get back into my Bible because I'm at least like trying something new. And if I am reading my Bible, but I'm just not getting anything out of it, switching it up helps. Um, and my guess is that if you struggle with Bible reading sometimes, um, you might struggle with some of the other spiritual practices like prayer or worship or something like that. Um, and my suggestion is start with the Bible because it has prayers in it. It's got songs in it. So you can use that as your way to kind of get into all of them and use it as your guide in those spaces, if that makes sense. Um, and starting with Psalms or a gospel because those are easier and more accessible and they contain words that we can use to worship or pray. Um, yeah, so that's my thing. Is start with the Bible, but try to push it further to do more. If that makes sense. Um, and the little thing um, about reading our Bible is that whenever we read our Bible, we need to be aware of or acknowledge that we have cultural blinders and cultural highlighters. So these are things, there are things that we don't notice that we should probably notice and be like, oh, that happened. Um, or things that we way overemphasize than we should because it's a cultural hot topic at the moment and it feels kind of like it could be talking about that, even though it's probably talking about a million other things. Um, and so whenever we read the Bible, it automatically goes through the, these cultural filters where some things get highlighted and some things just get blacked out. Um, and so as we read, kind of need to start to let go of that. And the best way that I can recommend to help with that is um, one is to actually just start reading your Bible because you can't do this without reading your Bible. Um, but is not to think of the Bible in chapters and verses. That is there as a way to help us navigate and get ourselves around. But to think of it as a story that's all connected to each other. So when we're reading the letters, for example, read it as a whole letter, not as a set of individual verses of do's and don'ts. Right? And so that letter oh, this was written to somebody, so what's going on over there? And, you know, just imagine it. Have little fun games that you play with yourself of, like, what would it have been like to be at the feeding of the 5,000? Okay, well, I've got to read the story to know what happened. And then I can think about how I would have found that being there. Um, and so it helps transform us because it helps us realize where our culture is deficient or lacking. Um, but it also transforms us because it helps us stay focused on God and on what's important. Because the word is the word of life, because it comes from God who brings life and it breathes life into us, but it doesn't end there because that life flows out of us because the spirit, the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit being God lives in us and flows out of us through that. And this means that this life we can share with others around us. 
and then it can bring back life and it revives us and goes out and it keeps reviving others. And it's this whole cycle that happens when we just try. Like you don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to do it every day at 6 a.m. before you go to work. You just have to try because that's the best thing we can do because God looks at our heart and looks at our intention. And the best thing we can ever really do is give it a go and try. And so this isn't a condemnation for you if you do struggle or if you're finding it hard at the moment, because I do too, so I'd just be like being really mean to myself um, if I was telling you off. But instead, this is an encouragement to keep trying and to keep pushing and asking God for his revelation and to try something new and to just keep pursuing. Because if we don't try, then what have we really got left? Um, so basically we can't read the Bible without the Spirit of God because then the words just feel dead. So the best place to start is asking God for that um, and asking God for the Spirit to come. Um, so if you want to talk to the person next to you or something and go, God, can you... And ask them to pray for you so you're standing together, so you've got that accountability. Um, and go, can you pray for me to help with reading my Bible? Um, or if you want more prayer or there's something in particular you're struggling with that, you can also come and ask me or James or anybody else, really, after the service. Come abide, come abide. 